At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This winter, we're taking a fresh look at a familiar story through our series, Jonah, At Odds with God. Tune in now as we face the same choice Jonah did, to receive God's mission or to resent it. Well, good morning, church family. It is good to be with you this morning. Now, we're going to begin this morning by talking about something that nobody, and uh, I mean nobody anywhere ever, really wants to talk about. Now, you're saying, well, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, But that is exactly where we're going to begin. Uh, We are going to be talking about a broken heart. What I'm talking about today is the kind of broken heart that brings physical pain to your chest. The kind that causes you to weep. And when I'm talking about weeping, I mean that uncontrollable sob that you have that you're not even sure that you can stop it. And the kind that makes you wonder if you're ever really going to get by the deep, deep sadness that you're feeling. And most of us, myself included, have experienced this at some point in our lives. At some point on our faith journey, we would say, I have felt that kind of experience that you're talking about. I have experienced that kind of broken heart. And the reality is some of us are going through it right now right here today. Many of you have shared just a glimpse into your personal pain. And I want you to know as your pastor, it is my privilege to journey alongside you in the midst of it. It's not something I take lightly. But I want us to know that this type of intense heartbreak is, again, part of the journey It's something that we all experience at different times in our lives, and most often it's caused by some form of loss. Perhaps it's the loss of a spouse, the loss of a child, the loss of a relationship, or maybe the loss of hope, the loss of hope. You see, if we're watching the news right now or watching our world, what we're seeing is hundreds of thousands of people every single moment of the past week and a half are walking through this journey where they are losing their home, they are losing their church, they are losing their country, and the world is watching. What we see in the news right now is absolutely heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking, not only for us as we watch it, but for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Now you'd say, well, Pastor, why are you starting this sermon with such a somber topic? I mean, really, I like it more when you kind of start with something that is funny or humorous or a story that I can engage with. The reality is I'm starting the sermon here today because heartbreak is something that we must all experience to grab a hold of the text that we're talking about today. We must all understand it. It's a biblical truth for you and for me today. It matters. We're going to find out what that truth is in just a moment, but before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we quiet our hearts in this moment 
Because just the mention of the word heartbreak almost brings tears to some people who are here this morning. Just the mention of the the pain or the, the doubt or the questions that come with heartbreak, God. But it's in the midst of that in the midst of that personal pain, in the midst of the the pain of what we're watching unfold on the other side of the world, that we need to run to you. And so that's what we do in this moment. That's what we do. We humble our hearts today and we cry out to you because you are God, you are holy, you are worthy of our attention and our running to You are the only one where we can find any measure of hope in the midst of it all. So God, would you meet with us today? We pray that through the power of your word, your word is truth, and we need it today. So God, give us eyes to see the truth clearly. Give us ears to hear this truth. And then God, give us humble hearts to put the truth into action. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, this morning is part four of our sermon series. You know the name of it. It is on the uh, bulletin that you have in your hand. It's on the screen. We've been digging through it. It's called Jonah at Odds with God. And what we're doing is we are continuing uh, our walk through the minor prophet that we find in the Old Testament. And paramount to the message of the prophet is the call to repentance. Paramount to this text is a call to repentance. Now, I want to go over and just remind you of what the role of an Old Testament prophet is and or was, okay? You guys remember, it was basically a guy who would say, hey, God sees what you're doing. Stop it. God sees what you're doing, and he's not pleased with your sin. Stop it. Turn and repent, That is the role of an Old Testament prophet. We talked about that in each of the weeks of the series leading up to today, but that leads us to a question, doesn't it? Pastor, what does true repentance look like? I mean, oftentimes people will say, well, yeah, I've repented of that. What does that mean exactly? What does that look like for you and me to practice? We'd say, well, hey, wait a minute, I'm sorry, and then we just move on. Is that true repentance? Or perhaps is it something a little bit greater, a little bit more intense, a little bit more significant than that? Now, if you've been here for any length of time, you know I don't often refer to the uh, original languages of Hebrew in the Old Testament or Greek in the New Testament, but I do think it's really helpful for us today, so I'm going to do that. The Hebrew word for repentance means to turn to turn. So that's why I can stand up here today and say, repentance isn't just apologizing. It's not just saying, I'm sorry, and then moving on. Repentance involves more than that. Biblical repentance means that we know and understand the error of our ways. We feel the sting of our own sin that our heart actually breaks a little bit because of what we have done to people we love, but most importantly, to our loving, gracious Heavenly Father. 
it also includes the turn. Recognizing the error of our ways and turning and going in the other direction. What are we doing when we go in the other direction? We are running from our sin and running straight to God. And when we do, what we experience is forgiveness through His Son. It is a 180 degree turn and a run, a sprint to God. That's repentance. So church, that's our foundational understanding of what we're digging into today. So let's grab our Bibles now and turn to Jonah chapter 3. And uh, it's important we know that that's kind of the foundation of what we're looking at as we turn to the Scriptures today. So let's go to Jonah chapter 3, and that's where we're going to begin. You're going to find that on page 775 in your church Bible. If you'd like to read along, it will be on the screen behind me as well. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey, And he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. He removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation. And he published through Nineveh. He said, by the decree of the king and of his nobles, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. What can you and I learn from the Ninevites? I mean, really, we read that story, what can you and I learn from the Ninevites? Well, what they can show us is the first of three things that repentance requires. And the first one is hearing the word. True repentance begins when we actually hear the word of God. Now remember, Jonah, he had been running. He was in the fish for three days. He was vomited back onto dry land from the belly of that fish. And then he hears the word of the Lord. Look back at those first two verses. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So I'm going to give you words, Jonah. I want you to go there and speak to these people. Now, even after the angst, even after the disobedience, 
God still desires to use Jonah. Church, whenever you're reading Jonah, whether it's in a children's Bible or whether it's in the Bible you have in your hands today, remember that that is a picture of the grace of God. That's a vivid picture of the grace of God. In spite of Jonah's angst, in spite of the disobedience, God still desires to use that guy. So, God gives his prophet his words for the Ninevites. Now, why is that important? Because the Ninevites were deeply involved, deeply engaged, and committed to their sin. Jonah's words, just some guy saying, hey, I'm a prophet, I'm here to tell you what to stop doing, that is not going to be enough. What they need is a life-changing word from a holy God. And so that's what we see. Look at verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, doing what? According to the word of the Lord. So he heard it, and he responded Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth, and Jonah began to go into the city going a a day's journey, and he called out. So he speaks God's words. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's what God used in the heart of the Ninevites to bring them to the point of repentance. That phrase... Now, there's a few areas in this text I don't want us to just kind of gloss over and just kind of read over and say, well, it's fine. Let's pay special attention to a couple of facts about the city of Nineveh. When it says it is a great city, that matters because of both the size of the city and the importance of the city. It takes a lot of time to navigate it. It is a big piece of land, and it takes a while to get there. And it's an important place. It's a significant place. It is a culture-shaping place. This is the city that is filled with pagans. That's where God chooses to reveal his word. This city of pagans is where God wants his message of repentance spoken. And this time, rather than running... Rather than running, that's exactly what Jonah does. Jonah is faithful to deliver the word of the Lord. Now, here's why that matters for you and for me. You'd say, well, that's a nice story, Pastor. That's a really good story. I like the story of Jonah. It's intriguing. But here's why it matters, because in our world, in the midst of a world filled with sin, it matters that we preach God's word. It matters that we focus upon God's word, not Pastor Rob's opinion. I have plenty, but that's not what you need. Not Woodside's view on the political issues of our day. Again, we have plenty, but that's not what you need. And not the influential words of famous Christians. It's not what you need. It's not what we need. As a minister of the gospel, it is my responsibility to proclaim the word of God. To proclaim the word of truth because it is the 
It is the only thing that will bring life change. My opinion won't help you. Woodside's view won't help you. What will help you is the word of God. It is only the word of God that can lead you and me to repentance and faith. Do our cultural views matter? Sure they do. Should Christians engage? Should believers in Jesus Christ engage with things in our culture that matter? Absolutely. But more than all of that, you and I need God's Word. We need God's Word. This is why the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So church, that's why we preach the Bible. So we have the right answers? more than that. We place a high value on the Word of God so that the people of God, that's you, will be equipped so that you will be equipped to have godly marriages, so that you will be equipped to lead your family in the ways of God and in the ways of His Word, so that you will be equipped to honor God with your business, with your career, with all of your life. Church, God's people need God's word. Now, let's continue on in the text. Pick it up at verse 5. So what happened? The word of God is proclaimed, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. He removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and he sat in ashes. This wasn't just a few people. We're talking about the peasants all the way to the king. All of them. Scholars tell us that this was a belief that was understood by faith that acknowledged who God was and that he was in fact powerful enough to, to do what Jonah proclaimed. They knew that in the moment. They heard those words from the prophet and they said, that's serious. That is real. Now, I have to be completely transparent here. This is one of those texts in Scripture that I can't necessarily describe or explain away in human terms. Jonah brought a message from God. Jonah brought a message from God. The Ninevites heard it, they believed it, and they repented. They repented. And this helps us see the second thing that repentance involves. It it involves believing the word. Repentance involves believing the word of God. Now, practically speaking, this is absolutely critical for every single person here today. All of us. You, me, everybody. Because the practice of repentance and faith is an active part of the Christian life. So often we 
may have heard this kind of idea that, well, you just come to faith once, you repent of your sins once, you believe in the gospel, and then you're good. Now, here's the reality. That is true on one hand. There's a theological term for that. When you repent of your sin and believe the gospel, you then are justified. The term is justification. But I stand before you today and say that is the beginning of your faith journey. That is the beginning. When it comes to a vibrant, active faith, repentance and faith, repentance and belief is a regular part, is a regular stop on our journey. Repentance and faith when we read the Word, when we expose our hearts and our minds to the Word of God, it convicts us of what? Of sin. Well, what do we do? We come before our Father and we repent of it, and what do we do? It's not just saying sorry, it's going the other way. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to turn from that. So we get convicted, we repent, and we believe what the Word says. That's why we engage with God's Word. That's why it matters for you and I to be regularly engaged as men and women of faith. It should be our humble desire to bring God's word to bear on our lives. To read God's word. To believe what it says about our human condition. To repent of the sin that it exposes. And then to believe the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. There's mercy. There's forgiveness. And there is grace in Christ. And we experience it afresh when we repent and when we believe. Church, this is so important. This is so important because this is why we engage with God's word. That's why we proclaim God's word here in our services. That's why we proclaim God's truth in song as we did just a few moments ago. That's why we do so in the community of faith. You often hear us talk about the importance of life groups, the importance of doing life together with other believers because when we're exposed to the truth, Sometimes we don't always understand it, so we need another brother, another sister to speak it to us, to help us understand it, to help us process it, and ultimately to help us believe it. I love the way Dietrich Bonhoeffer explains this in his classic book, Life Together. Here's what he writes. He said, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him because the Christ in his own heart is sometimes weaker than the Christ in his brother's heart. We need a regular diet of repentance and belief and engagement with God's word. Now, let's look at the final portion of our text, picking things up. Uh, We're going to reread verse 6. It says, The word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. 
Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. A turn has happened. We read about it in verse 5 that the people believed in God, and now we get to the point where we engage with the king. He decrees that everyone shall fast. So the king himself, the people, the nobles, even the animals, it says, were to fast. They were to call out to God in repentance. So that's what you see in verse 8. Let everyone turn from his evil way. Does that mean they're saying they're sorry for it? means they're turning. Turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Turn, run, make a 180 degree pivot and run to Almighty God. That is what we're engaging with here. So the Ninevites heard the word of God. The Ninevites believed the word of God and now we see the third thing that repentance requires. They responded to the Word of God. The Ninevites responded to the Word of God, and that is what you and I should do as God's people. We should respond to the Word of God in repentance. Church, this is what happens when we truly hear the Word, when we consider the Word, when we wrestle with the Word, and then we believe it. It causes us to respond It causes us to do what the Word says. So let me summarize here. God's Word invites you and I to put our our faith into action. So here's what it might look like. If God's Word says, go and tell, what do you guys think we should do? Go and tell. God's Word says, repent. What should God's people do? Repent. Repent. When God calls his people to do something, it's so important for us to know that it is coming from the heart of a loving, gracious God. It's coming from a God who offers you mercy and forgiveness and grace in his son, Jesus. So whatever God is calling you to today, right here in this moment, Maybe it's repentance and faith for the very first time. I don't care if you've been in church, if you grew up in a church home, maybe you have never repented of your sin and believed the gospel. Maybe today. Or maybe it's a turning away from something in your life right now that you know does not honor God. There's a lot of people here this morning and there's a lot of things that that could be. So I'm going to let you fill in the blank on your life on what that is. Maybe it's surrendering your marriage to him. Surrendering your family to him. Surrendering your finances to him. Surrendering your career to God in a way that you never have before. That's how you might respond Church, at the beginning of this message I mentioned that it would take a broken heart to get us here. This is what I'm talking about. Right here is what I'm talking about. 
It is a gracious God who desires that his people would respond. That we would hear the word, that we would believe the word, and that we would respond in faith. So if you've been running for the last few days, the last few weeks, perhaps it's months, maybe even years, today, at the hearing of God's word, is God's grace for you. It's God's grace to you because he's giving you an opportunity once again to hear it, to believe it, and to respond. So may you, may I, may we respond with humble hearts before a gracious God. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.